Luke chapter 10, we're going to read this to you in the voice, one of my favorite translations, um, Jesus. And so in, in this story, Jesus has an encounter not only with, with a two, but with two sisters. How many of you grew up in a home that you just, it was like all, all girls? Like you had, like either you had two daughters or you had just sisters. How many, just Sarah? Got, just a little bit, okay. Uh, well, God bless you if that was you. If you grew up in a home like that. See, I, I, because I think in a lot of ways, um, raising boys or growing up in a, in a household where there's boys is, is easier in some ways because girls can be, girls are sometimes hard. I was a youth pastor. I can tell you would be on a shadow of a doubt. Like boys camp is a whole, is a whole lot easier than the, the girls at camp. There's just like, here's the thing. If you're, if you're raising boys, maybe you've experienced this. Um, you, like, you know, when boys don't like each other, if, if two boys are having problems, you know, when, here's what like um, something's broken, somebody is bleeding, or someone's going to jail. That's how you know when boys are having problems, right? With girls, you never know. You have no idea. Things just could look awesome on the surface, but there's like all this resentment kind of like I, I kind of explain it like this: like raising girl or raising girls is kind of like um, owning exotic pets. Like they could be the coolest pets ever, but they might eat you. You just don't know. <laughs> it's like those people that have like lions and stuff. Like you just never know. And um, and so I. Th- this is, I think you can see a little bit about the, that tension in this story. So let's start reading it in verse number 38. So Jesus continued from there. So he was, on a, he was making his way towards Jerusalem. You know, he had started out in the Galilean countryside. He's making his way towards Jerusalem. And he came to another village. Martha, a resident of that village, welcomed Jesus into her home. Now, first of all, they were sisters, Mary and Martha. Maybe it was just Martha's home. Uh, most likely it was Mary and Martha's home, and, and Martha just kind of was the one running the show. <laughs> Martha was the one saying, no, it's my home. But um, Martha is the one that invites Jesus and, and invites him in. <clears throat> Verse 39, her sister, Mary, went and sat at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. Meanwhile, Martha was anxious about all the hospitality arrangements. Now, that is an interesting passage. Um, She was anxious because of all the hospitality. Now, you guys have invited, you've had someone stop over unexpectedly, right? Or you've had one of those situations where you're like, oh, oh, man. And so you're just slamming things in cupboards and sweeping things under the rug. And you're just trying to get, and this is, I, I imagine this is what Martha's doing. All of a sudden now, Jesus and his entourage is there. And she knows this is the, this is the prophet that we've been hearing about. This is the, this is the rumor to be Messiah, the son of God come to take away the sins of the world. And so she is probably freaking out, wanting everything in the house to be just perfect. And so she immediately sets herself about getting everything ready and taking care of all the people in the room. It, it says that she was anxious about all of the hospitality arrangements. The Greek there is, it's two word polus, but it's like, it's pronounced polus, but it's poly, like, you know, like P-O-L-Y. It's the, it's the Greek for many, you see it in a lot of different uh, we still use it today in a lot of, uh, a lot of our words, but paulus diakonia. Diakonia is, is the, literally translates to servant. It's where we get the English word deacon or the church leader or the one people who serve the church, the deacon. So it says that she was busy and she was scattered about from too much serving. That's interesting. She was serving too much. She was doing too much. And it says she was anxious. This, all of the serving had created inside of her this anxiety. The Greek for that word anxiety literally means to be drawn away. So we think we serve, we think we do the things we do for God and because of God. But in this case, Bible, the Bible says that Martha, the things that she thought she was doing for God was actually pulling her away from God. She was drawn away and cast into anxiety because she was serving too much. She was going in a million different directions. I mean, can you just imagine the scene? She's there with all the disciples, and immediately she goes into like hospitality mode. She's like, can I get anybody a snack? We've got dates, raisins, anybody want an olive? How about something to drink? Are you thirsty? We've got milk, I could go milk the goat. 
we have some water, we have some, we have some wine. I mean, grape juice, sorry, Jesus. You know, like, I mean, she just immediately, I think she's going everywhere, trying to make sure everyone's taken care of. Can I take your coat? Can I get you out? Can I get you? And she's immediately trying to make sure everyone is always taken care of. And where was her sister, Mary, in the, in the story? Where was Mary? She was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to him teach. Now, this, I think, is brilliant. Because listen, women, if you lived 2,000 years ago, do you know where you went to school? Nowhere. Yeah, you went to the University of Nowhere. That was, that's where you went to school. Um, and, and listen, and this, was, this was an incredibly backwards culture. This was an it was, it's just, this is, we're talking 2,000 years ago. Um, women didn't have any rights. They couldn't own property. Your, women's testimony wasn't even valid in a court of law. I mean, don't talk about a backwards society. If someone murdered somebody and the only witness was a woman, then they just got off because we're like, well, we can't. We, just, we don't accept your testimony. Now, I'm not, it was awful. I'm not, I am not defending it. I'm not justifying it. And neither did Jesus. What I think is so amazing is Jesus throws all of that cultural stigma out the window because where was Mary? Right at the feet of Jesus with all the guys learning. She's, she's listening to him teaching. But she's not helping at all. <laughs> she's not taking care of any of the work. There's all these where there's dishes to do. There's people to serve. There's order hors d'oeuvres to fix. There's, you know, there's, I, who knows what things to find them. I, I see them scurrying around and, and I didn't even know it was dirty and they're cleaning it. I just had no clue. So Mary is doing her thing, or Martha is doing her thing. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha is not happy. Look what it says in verse 40. Martha, he's, she inter, it says, I love it. It says that she's interrupting Jesus. Yeah, interrupting Jesus. So Jesus is teaching, and she's like, hold on a second, Lord, um, one second here. And then she says, Lord, why don't you care that my sister is leaving me to do all the work myself? Tell her to get over here and help me. The, the translation is tell my lazy sister to get off her butt and do something. That's what Martha's saying, right? She's sitting there. Doesn't she see there's work to be done? Martha was a two, wasn't she? Because that's just what twos do. When twos see somebody and has some need, they immediately set about trying to take care of it. If you're hungry, they make you something to eat. If you need some clothes, they find you some. If they heard you mention in a conversation six weeks ago that maybe possibly someday you might like to have a whatever, they make it their mission to get, you, get it. Because that's what twos do. And we love them for that. They, twos are always thinking about other people. They think about your needs. They think about what you want. They're always living to ensure that other people are well-fed and comfortable and thinking about the other. So let's talk a little bit about Martha, a little bit about twos. Um, I gave you a brief overview, uh, but here's, here's the, the nitty-gritty that we talked about several weeks ago. Um, helpers, what we love about helpers is that they're warm. They're, some of the, they're the warmest, most caring, friendly people on, in the Enneagram, like in, in the world. If you know somebody who just oozes kindness and you go to their house and it's like Martha Stewart just lived, like exploded all over the place, like they're probably a two. That's what, that's what twos do. They um, they're warm and they're caring. And, and twos, they feel best about themselves when they are meaningfully engaged in serving others. Twos, have, they develop a, their own sense of self-worth in how they care for you. And so maybe you have a two, that maybe you married a two, or maybe you had a two as a mom or something. Um, twos genuinely enjoy supporting other people. Now, what's the deadly sin of twos? If you remember, we talked about the deadly sin of twos, and it's the sin of pride, which sounds counterintuitive. This is why this is hard for twos, because you would think that you're talking about these people that are just doing for others all the time. Like they never think of themselves. They just, they, they just 
take care of their kids, take care of the grandkids, take care of, if they don't have any kids, they take care of their, your neighbor's kids or your neighbor's kids' friends. Like you take care of anybody. Like you just, they're just always giving, giving, giving. How in the world could pride ever find their way into the heart of someone who's so loving and generous? Well, here's the thing. Twos direct all of their att attention and energy toward meeting the needs of others while disavowing that they have any of their own. Ask a two if they need anything. Oh, no, no, not me. Like they will break their neck to make sure that you are taken care of. They'll see every problem that you have and, and try to meet it. But twos find it almost impossible to let somebody help them. And you know what that is? That's pride. And at the very center of what's happening in twos is the, is the seed of pride. Now, what is the basic fear of two? Here's, what, here's the, the very heart of how they orient their lives. And I'm going to say this a couple times today. Twos need to be needed. Their pervasive underlying fear is that there is nothing inherently lovable about them. They're just on their own, that there's nothing really worthy. Like you probably wouldn't love them just as they are. And so they feel that they have to work hard to earn other people's love. And so they constantly are serving. They're constantly giving. They're constantly trying to make other people happy because of this insecurity that they have. That, and that's, that's this, that root of shame that we talked about, that they're afraid that maybe they're not lovable just as who they are. And that they're afraid if they ever stopped serving you, that maybe you wouldn't love them. If you didn't need them, maybe you wouldn't love them. Now, so let's talk about the good side, though, because there's a lot of great things about twos. In fact, I think twos are probably the most wonderful people to have around. So let's talk about some of the strengths of being a two. Uh, number one, twos have an amazing way of making others feel safe and welcome because they're all about you, right? And so it's, twos are wonderful to be around. They're the types of people that if you're having a party, you want to have twos. If you're trying to run an organization like a church, you'll definitely, you desperately want twos because twos have a way of making other people feel welcome. And that's a gift. Like I can go up to somebody and I can give them the sign-in card and I can give them the free Starbucks card and, and offer them a cup of coffee. And they're like, who is this freak? But when Sherry does the same thing, they're like, these people are so nice. I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't, I, I, it's, they just have this, twos have this way of making other people feel safe and, and welcome. In fact, um, because, and I think what it is, is twos focus is always on you. Like for me, I think people can see, you're thinking about your sermon right now, aren't you? And like, I'm talking to you and I'm, mm -hmm, yeah. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how much longer do we got this and this thing over here? But with a two, they're just all zoomed in on you. That's wonderful about a two is they, can, they, can, they actually care about you. In fact, twos are so much about other people. Here's a common sign. I, I read this all the time and I've seen it time and time again. Um, a common sign that you're a two is that you just instinctively, without even trying, you just remember everyone's birthdays and anniversaries, and you don't know the names of all their kids and where they're going off to college. Like, it's just, you don't even try to, you don't even try to remember it. It's just twos, just, they just know this stuff. And that's a common sign that you're a two. Like, if you could just list out the, the names and phone numbers of like 75 people, you're probably a two. You know, that's just, that's what, that's what twos do. Now, another, another great gift of being a two, and it's related to the first one, is Twos are natural includers. Um, twos never want anyone to be excluded. You take a group of people, twos just have this intuitive ability to focus in on that one person that's feeling a little off or feeling a little bit unwelcome, feeling a little bit excluded, and they just go right to them and just begin to just ooze love all over them. And they're just natural includers. And so because of this, twos are a huge boon to any business, um, organization, and like I said, especially a church. Like it's just... In the literature, it's just like, it says like, hey, you want to hire, if you, in public relations, you want to get twos. Twos have a way of just knowing how to make an organization um, shine because they're just, they just feel that. They just feel what makes people feel good. 
Another strength of being a two, and I'm kind of going through this quickly because I have no idea how we're going to get this finished in 20 minutes. Um, but another, another strength, twos accept you just the way they, that you are. So wonderful thing about being a two is twos always see the good in others. In fact, twos are, com- will, are completely annoyed by people who, who point out other people's flaws, which is why people like you, I probably annoy you all the time because I'm just like, uh, no, Bible violation, that's improper. That was not the correct way you know, or that was you, everything's stupid or dumb. And like, you didn't make a smart decision and twos are, and not only do twos not see it, they don't even want to see it. If you point them out to, you point out the flaws of someone that's a two, they'll, be, they'll get mad at you. Like you might have a friend that's a two and they're in a relationship with a complete moron. And you're like, don't you see? He is so, he's terrible for you. And, and they don't even, ah, don't even tell me because they just want to see the good in people. And that can be a detriment, but it can also be a beautiful thing because true twos truly love us just for who we are. Um, another thing is this, is twos are naturally empathetic. Twos are so attuned to other people's pain you would think they're psychic because you don't even have to tell them. Like you go to a two and you're like, I just want to, and they're just like, I know. You just pat you on the leg. They just know. They just know. And so because of this, a couple things, if you are having a hard time putting your feelings into words and you need someone to talk to, find a two. Twos make great counselors and therapists um, because with, you don't even have to with a two. You don't, if you're searching for the right words to describe it, a lot of times with twos, you just don't even have to, have to do that. They're just naturally... Uh, empathetic. So, but let's talk a little bit about, did you have something, Johnny, make it super quick? I think twos have the eye of Sauron. Oh. <laughs> okay, how do twos fail? We do love you twos, remember this, but let's talk a little bit about how. <clears throat> I love you too. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> I love you too. That's, uh, uh, the name of the sermon actually is, <laughs> I love you too. So good, Chris. Um, I want to say this before we dig into it, that twos, in my experience, and, and really from what I've read in the literature, um, it's hardest for twos to diagnose these problems. And, and really, in kind of my experience, especially dealing with their dialogue, I think for all of us, usually, a lot of times I'm reading and, and talking to you about the things that's the natural um, kind of failing points for whatever Enneagram number. And usually the people that are their number are like, what? No, me? Uh-uh. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you don't see it. But for twos, this is, inc- this is almost Im- impossible to see. So here's what I just want to say. If, if, this, if you don't feel like this fits you, just hold on to it, file it away, and maybe sometime in the future it might click because this is super difficult to see. But the number one way that twos fail is twos are often people pleasers and they become codependent. Let me tell you what I mean by that. See, <clears throat> central to the twos outlook on life, twos believe that if they, ha- if, if they had any problems, or God forbid, if they caused you any problems, that you wouldn't want them around. And so they will break their neck to try and please you because they, remember, twos feel best about themselves when they're meaningfully engaged in relationship with other people. And so anything that they see, they see their own problems or their own failures as a potential to, to violate that relationship. And so they will do anything. If, if they find out that you want to go to Applebee's, guess where they want to go? Applebee's. And here's what's reason why it's so hard for them to see is because they truly want to go to Applebee's. That's what they want now. Because what the thing that they most, they don't want is to ever do anything that might not please you because that's how they're wired. And, so because, and because of this, twos run the highest risk of any other number, and the scientific literature has all been done to back this up, twos run the highest risk of becoming codependent on other people. And that's a lot of power to give away. 
It's a lot of power to give away to the other people in your life when you live your life so much to please others that you fall out of connection with your own will and your own desires. And it's that fear that people may stop loving you. And see, here's the thing. A lot of times, and nines and twos are very similar. I've learned this through this journey. Nines and twos are very similar because both of them kind of have this fear of, of conflict. But nines, the difference is nines fear conflict. Remember we talked about how nines just do anything to avoid conflict? But that conflict is internal. Like in other words, they don't want to make the decision, like if they're trying to go to, if you're a nine and you're trying to make the decision between two universities, that's almost impossible for a nine. That's internal conflict. Do I go here or do I go there? What, but a two, their fear is more about confrontation. They don't want to do something that's going to create a frustration between you and a person. So a nine's conflict is internal. And two's conflict, remember, if you, if you will, I don't have to pull it back up. But remember, the, the leftmost number on each uh, triad is the one who externalizes. Their, so the twos externalize their shame. So they don't want, their, their pro, they don't want to cause problems with you, right? So their fear, so I would say it's like this. Two, nines... Um, avoid conflict, twos avoid confrontation. Does that make sense? Here's um, a common thing. Like I, I've heard, I've heard two. I think every, almost every two I've ever known has said this at one time. Um, a common complaint or fear of a two is that you know what? When my kids grow up and they don't need me anymore. They won't love me. They won't call. I'm going to be all alone. That's a common fear. But if you're if you're a two and you've ever had that fear that maybe one of these days you're going to be alone. Because, see, what it is, is this fear that if people don't need me, then they're not going to love me. Because you're, there's deep underneath that is this lie that, that they, people won't love me just for me. They'd love me for what I do. And if I stop doing, then I won't be loved. It's one of the ways that twos life, and that's one of the ways that twos fail. Here's another, another way twos fail, is that they rarely ask for help. Um, twos spend so much time focusing on the needs of others that they lose touch with their own needs. And again, they don't want their needs to ever cause problems for you because they know if, if, if my problem is a problem for you, then maybe you're not going to love me. And that's this deep fear. So to fear like acknowledging that they have needs um, will create a stress for the people that they love. And so as a result, twos were often very, very independent as children. So you look back, if you had a very independent child, it's one of the signs that you were raising a two. Some of the other numbers are independent too. But twos are often very independent as children, um, but for, the, for a very unique reason. is because they learned at an early age that their, them having issues or them having needs was not a good thing. And so they just learn to do it all themselves. I'll do it myself because I don't want to burden you. And twos rarely ask for help because they see themselves as a burden. But when you do that, you actually, one of the ways that people express their love to you is by being there for you. That's, the one, that's one of the ways that we are, as a church is commanded to, to love. And so when, you are, like when we want to do an outreach, at your, an inreach at your house, be like, oh, no, no, that's fine. I need, I don't need anything. It really keeps us from being able to, sh- to share that love uh, to you. And so it's one of the ways that twos... Uh, can fail. Another one is this, is, um, and this is one I think is almost impossible for twos to see. So just think about it. Um, twos love with strings attached. Now we talked about this at dialogue at the beginning, uh, just so much. I think we just got tired of talking about it that, you know, most of the time in churches, they'll do a big outreach. They'll have, it's the, here's a common example. Um, hey, free soup kitchen. Come everyone who's hungry, come in here. But before we serve you this soup, we're going to give you the gospel presentation. You know what I mean? Like it's not just, you don't just come and get food. You're coming so that we can give you the gospel. And, and there's always like, we're going to do the, but it's like a tit for tat, a quid, quid pro quo. And, and this is kind of the way twos often love is because 
Because see, twos feel best about themselves when they're taking care of others. Um, and so what they, what's difficult for them to realize is that when they're doing for others, they're really also doing for themselves. And it's so hard to see because this is the, you're talking about the people who spend all of their life doing for others. But, but because you're wired to feel best about yourself when you're doing that, and it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but you just need to know that when you're doing for others, you're also doing the thing that bolsters your own self-image. And that's not necessarily bad, but it gives you this sense that you're, it, it can give you a sense of connection to the people and makes you feel like a good person. But see, the problem is, and this is where twos fail, the problem is, is when eventually you begin to feel that all of your love and goodwill and service have gone unappreciated, and then twos begin to develop the feelings of resentment, because I've been doing so much for you, and I've been giving, and I've been giving, and I've been giving, and, well, I can't say anything, I can't think of anything to say that I can say in church, so, um, with, with Wes and Amanda's family here. So, uh, <laughs> So this, and so, uh, only the healthiest and most well-adjusted twos uh, ever realize this. Like I said, most twos believe that what they're doing is just pure generosity and selfishness, and it is generous and it is very it's unselfish. But it's usually not until later, when you know you've done all these things and and you remember you sent a, you remembered everyone's birthday and you sent a card to everybody on their birthday and you sent them a text and now it's your birthday and it's eleven o'clock and no one has has texted you happy birthday yet and now you're pissed. And that's how twos can twos feel. That's having strings attached, right? Because your gift wasn't just freely given. It was like, and you better freaking be there. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just something to think about. So if you're two, just think about that. I know you probably won't see it. And if you want to talk about it, let me know. Because this is really hard. Usually if we break it down, we can begin to see it. But it's, it's key to becoming healthy. We'll talk more about that in a minute, hopefully. Um, okay, another one. Here's another way twos fail. Expecting others to sense your needs. Um, tees, twos don't like to tell you what they need. They just expect you to know. So if you're married to a two, you've probably experienced this. Like you're just supposed to know because they know, you know, like twos know what everybody needs. And they just, they just assume that everybody else has the same supernatural power that they have to, to know what twos need. So, um, but here's the thing. This is so interesting. And, I, and I've just been diving into this this week. Um, twos often also more than any other role can fall into a couple problems here because when, when they feel that people don't, re- don't meet their needs after they've done so much for them, twos more than in, any other number are prone to playing the victim. And as a victim, they, they have, they, a couple different things happen. One, they tend to overindulge with comfort foods. And so overeating is a big problem with twos because they feel so, they don't, you, you don't let people take care of you. And so you try to take care of yourself. And they do that through, through self-comforting. And then also, they often become hypochondriacs because one of the only ways you can get the sympathy that you so desperately need, but in a way that's justifiable, is if I'm sick. And instead of just saying, hey, I need some help right now, I'm in a downtime, you, know, you don't want to say that because you don't want to cause problems for people. But if you're, so there's just a couple of things um, to think about. Now, in, so remember, in the Enneagram, it shows us how twos move and you know, how all the numbers move when they're moving towards health and they're moving towards unhealth. So in times of stress, twos move towards the unhealthy side of eight. So what, remember the eights? The eights were the teen, I mean, the... the <laughs> <laughs> no, they move to the unhealthy side um, of eights. And so if you're a two and you start seeing some of these traits in your life, just recognize that this means that you're on a, a path towards disintegration. So if you become more demanding, which is so weird for a two, right? But think about it. If you're a two, do you have those, and probably with only one or two people in your life, but you like let out all of your frustration on them. So maybe become more demanding, sometimes even controlling. Um, twos often blame others for what makes someone happy 
because you're unhappy all the time, but inside you're saying, well, it's just because all those people weren't there for me. And so when you're unhappy, it's always, you blame it on the relationships. It's the relationships in my, my, because you're so relationship oriented. So it's always other people's fault that I'm unhappy. And twos can become surprisingly aggressive, which I didn't know, but that's, uh, so if you're the sweetest person in the room until someone really makes you mad, then you might be a two. All right, so how do we overcome? We're going to have to do this like in amazing record time. All right, let's look back. Let's see how this situation finishes out with, uh, with, with Martha here. So Luke, chapter, Luke, Luke uh, 10, verse 41. So Jesus is going to answer Martha. He says, oh, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and concerned about a million details. But really, only one thing matters. Mary has chosen that one thing, and I won't take it away from her. So listen, Jesus says here, Martha, only one thing matters. Now, how awesome would it be? Like some of you have been following God, I don't know, years, right? Most of your life. Some of you have five, 10, 20 years. How amazing would it be if Jesus came to you and said, listen, hey, only this one thing matters. This is it. And he's addressing it just to you. It's not just like overall generic for the universe. If like God came to you and said, Evie, this is what matters. This is the one thing that matters. How awesome. My question is, what's the one thing that mattered? It's not in there. Like, Jesus, why didn't you tell us? That would have been a perfect thing to put in the Bible. Like, you know, that's the reason why we have a Bible, right? He just says, only one thing matters. What is it? What's the one thing? Now, the traditional interpretation of this passage is that the one thing that mattered was Jesus. Like, the traditional interpretation is that, is that Jesus was basically saying to Martha, listen, do you know what really matters? Me. I matter. You know, focus on me. Like, look at your sister Mary. She's focused on me. Why don't you focus on me? Because I'm what truly matters. But I'm not convinced that's what Jesus is saying here. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I agree with it in principle, right? I, in principle, I think Jesus is what matters. But, um, but I think that Jesus knew that Martha was a two. I think that Jesus knew her struggle. I, I think that Jesus understood that she couldn't see herself for the beautiful, wonderful, image-bearing person that she was. I think that Jesus knew that Martha found her significance in what she did, not in who she was. And even more, I think that Jesus understood that for a two, a two is never thinking about what is important to them. So I don't think Mary, Jesus was trying to say, Martha, here's what should be important to you, because I think he knows twos never are focused on what should be important to themselves. I think Jesus understood that twos are always concerned what is important to the person they're serving. So I think Jesus was saying, listen, you want to know what's important to me? There's only one thing that matters to me. There's only, if you really want to know what truly matters you want to know what, what I truly care about? It's you. Not what you do for me. Not what you give to me, just you. See, if you're a two, you need to know that you matter. Not all the things you do for us, not all the cookies that you make, not all the phone calls that you make on the first day of school, how'd it go today? Not all the, no, no, no. Here's what matters. You matter. And we appreciate what you do. And we're so thankful for all the sacrifice that you make for us. And we couldn't make it without your overwhelming generosity and your goodwill. And sometimes, and some days, the fact that you were there and you cared for us and you thought of us and you were so thoughtful, sometimes that's all we have to go on. And we're so thankful. But you know what really truly matters? is not what you do and not how you serve. It's you. You matter. I think Jesus was trying to say to Martha, listen, here's the most important thing. It's not me. The most important thing to me is you. 
And so twos, let me give you in just, uh, I've got three more minutes. Let me just give you some cliff notes of how you can begin on a, a path of health in your own life. So number one, take care of yourself. Don't be a super twos or prone to being superheroes, trying to take care of everybody else's needs and you just go, 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 and you wear yourself down to the bone and pretty soon you're, you're spent. So take care of yourself, twos. Listen, extend the same love and support to yourself that you would gladly give to anybody else. If anybody else was doing what you're doing, you would get on them and tell, you would take them a pot of chili and a, bake them a cake and say, hey, why don't you just relax? So sit down and relax. Um, it's just not, it's, not, it's not selfish to make sure, okay? And, and, and let me just say this too, I don't have a lot of time, but it's practical. If you don't first take care of your own needs, you're not gonna be healthy enough to take care of anybody else's. So if you wanna be a two, you gotta take care of yourself. You've just gotta take, you gotta do it. Okay, number two, consider your motives. Um, try to become conscious of your motives when you decide to help somebody. Are you doing this because that makes you feel good about yourself? And that doesn't mean it's wrong, you just need to be aware of that, right? You need to be aware of that. Am I doing this because it makes me feel like a good person? Is this what makes me feel like a good mom? Right? Is this what makes me feel like a good dad? Is this, is this, am I doing this so my kids will know that, that I love them? Because if you're doing something nice for somebody, but it's actually doing something in yourself, there's a, there's a, a chance that if that love is, is not re responded to in the ways that you want it to be, it could, you could develop resentfulness. And so if, just I want you to know you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, and you're, because you're so concerned about loving other people and doing everything for them, you're in real danger of developing codependent patterns with loved ones. And if you are afraid of, of someone that you love and upsetting them, well, that's, that's normal. But if that fear becomes paralyzing and such that it's hard for you to do something that you fear might upset them, like they really wanted me to be there and I just, uh, now you're pulled in two different directions. That's really tough. And sometimes you, as a two, you need to learn this. You've got to do the right thing, what's right, not what's just necessarily gonna be prudent for that relationship. So sometimes you know the right thing is to do this, and that's, that's hard for twos. We can talk more about that. If this is hard for you, let me know, and we'll talk about it. Uh, number three, here's something you can do. Twos are often, um, this is not even a big deal, but uh, to get permission to help. Just ask, hey, can I help you with that? Because well, here's what twos do. They're usually like, hey, I was at the store and I found a bunch of things for you. And um, I was reading, in one of the books I'm reading about twos, they it was a pastor and he's talking about how he, was, he was, had this old beat up car. And one day this two just showed up in his driveway, bought him a new car for his whole family. And he's like, okay, I got a new car. It just was this weird situation because that's just what twos do. They just, so, um, so just try to get permission. Don't try to be everyone's savior. Ask for permission. Here's the thing, twos talk style is help and advice. And um, so if, here's one of the way, you can know you're like, if you just even, if you so much as hint that you're in need of something, an immature two, when they're not as healthy, an immature two will immediately just begin to chime in with helpful advice. Oh, you should do this. I'm going to give you, here's, a, here's 15 ways you can make yourself, because they're trying to help you. Just want to be help. Just want to help. There's all the different ways I can help you, and that's a sign of. That's actually a, a sign of immaturity in a two's life. So ask yourself: Is this my responsibility? Is this mine to do? Is, you, you see the needs, and you see far more needs than anybody else is ever going to see. But stop to ask yourself: Is this my job to do? And um, accept a no, thank you. If if, it's, if the answer is no, thank you. Hey. Don't see that as a, as a break in your relationship. Uh, another one, another way to get healthy, learn to recognize and value how other people love you. Here's what I mean. Twos focus on practical love. Like their love language, if they were doing that whole love languages book, their love languages is like acts of service and practical gifts. You know, if you're dealing with the, with the two, they, they're like very practical things. So they're always doing practical things for you. Um, you know, send a card, bake a cake, whatever. They'll drive you to a doctor's appointment. 
But there's a lot of different ways to love. And one of the problems that twos run into is that other people are loving them in other ways, but they kind of only want the practical things. And so their twos are always acting, asking, no one threw a party for me on my birthday. Where were you when I needed someone to take me to the grocery store? You know what I mean? Like, it's a very practical thing. So if you're a two, be, intentionally begin to learn how to, um, how, how to speak in other languages of love, right? People, maybe it's just through, through support or through friendship. You know, you can pick up the book. I don't have time to get into them all. But just recognize that sometimes the love that you, that you need is, is being given to you, but just not in a way that seemed like love. And so then you felt like you were empty. Uh, so learn how to, to communicate in different love languages. Another one is this. And this is probably, well, you're not like this one either. Find the beauty of solitude. All of the books on twos say for you to get healthy, you can't do it in groups. Twos have to find their health, their spirituality and solitude. And here's the reason why, because when you're around other people, you immediately gotta start focusing on other people. So you need to spend time just alone in silence and solitude in the presence of God. So um, learn how to love your, it's in solitude that you'll, find, you'll discover like things like how to love yourself, how to receive your personal self-worth from God and not from others. So when twos get healthy, they begin to move the healthy side of four, which remember the fours are the creatives and the individualists. They're the ones who are just introspective and, you know, uh, the artists. And so, so twos actually begin to take on the characteristics of fours where they begin to look inside and actually deal with their own emotions. And they look inside and they're okay with the angst and the mess. And the st- like twos begin to get healthy when they, when they can deal with, it, with the turmoil on the inside. And they're like, it's okay. Yeah, I've got some problems, but I'm okay. Um, We've got to wrap things up. What time do we got? Yep, 12.03. Well, I was going to teach you guys how to love a two. We're, I'll probably I want to maybe talk about that some other time um, because I think twos, we all need love. We all need a lot of love, but twos more than any other are deserving of our love. And so if you, like, if you had a, a two in your life, if you're like a mom or a dad or grandma or grandpa or something like you, that's, that's like winning the family lottery, you know? And so twos need a lot of love because they give a lot of love. So any questions or comments, thoughts about being a two? Thoughts about knowing it too? It's just getting late and you want to get out of here? Yeah. What you got, Johnny? Mm. Evie. I can't sing my voice on Jack Yeah, I got lots of twos, Michael, too. Yeah, hey, by the way, can I just say this? Okay, I'm kind of a two. Yeah, there's a, there's kind of there's two there's two enneagram numbers that it's it's kind of hard if if you're um, depending on gender. Um, female eights have a tough time, so I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Tina. But good, good. Well, a lot of times. <laughs> Well, she's such an eight, she never even noticed. Yeah, sometimes people don't feel like, you know, there are some situations and it's just wrong, it's false, we got to change it. And then thankfully, I think our culture is changing. But sometimes female, it's like, you know, if a man shows up and is driven and is in charge, they're like, oh, so ambitious and look at this person. And if a woman tries to do that, like, you know, the words that people use for women. try to, So that's tend to be, t- and then um, two, male too seem to find it because it's, and matter of fact, one of the things I wanted to say this, um, if you're not very in tune with who you are, and that's okay because most of us really aren't, a lot of ladies will fill out the Enneagram test 
and it'll come back and tell them they're a two because sometimes that's the cultural image of what a woman is supposed to be. And it's false. It's complete nonsense, okay? Complete nonsense. But that's just, and if you've been in the church, you've probably had that drilled in your head. Well, women are supposed to serve and they're supposed to do all these things. And it's just nonsense. It's not, that's what humans are supposed to do. And there's no gendered role like that. And that's just absolutely ridiculous. But I wanted to say that, that um, there's no, there, like, you know, there's no, there's equal number of eights that are men and male and female, and equal number of twos are male, male and female. So, okay, sorry I took you guys took a little longer today. Blame it on, blame it on Emmett. Love you guys. See you next week. <laughs>